Hello, and welcome to Softer Articles for Sleep. Today, we will be reading from the website of Shea Howe on the topic of HTML and CSS. If you can imagine a time before the invention of the internet, websites didn't exist and books printed on paper and tightly bound were your primary source of information. It took considerably more time and effort and reading to track down the exact piece of information you were after. Today, you can open a web browser, jump over to your search engine of choice, and search away. Any bit of imaginable information rests on your fingertips. And the chances are someone somewhere has built a website with your exact search In this article, we're going to show you how to build your own website using the two most dominant computer languages, HTML and CSS. Before we begin our journey, to learn how to build websites with HTML and CSS. It is important to understand the differences between the two languages, the syntax of each language, and some common terminology. What are HTML and CSS? HTML, or Hypertext Markup Language, gives content structure and meaning by defining that concept as, for example, headings, paragraphs, or images. CSS, or Cascading Style Sheets, is a presentation language created to style the appearance of content using, for example, fonts or colors. The two languages, HTML and CSS, are independent of one another and should remain that way. CSS should not be written inside of an HTML document and vice versa. As a rule, HTML will always represent content and CSS will always represent the appearance of that content. With this understanding of the differences between HTML and CSS, Let's dive into HTML in more detail. While getting started with HTML, you will likely encounter new and often strange terms. Over time, you'll become more and more familiar with all of them. But the three common HTML terms you should begin with are elements, tags, and attributes. Elements are designators that define the structure and content of objects within a page. Some of the more common elements include multiple levels of edits identified as H1 through H6 elements and paragraphs identified as 
the P element. The list goes on to include the A, Div, Span, Strong, and EM element, and many more. Elements are identified by the use of less than and greater than angle brackets surrounding the element name. Thus, an element will look like the following. Less than element name followed by the greater than angle bracket. The use of less than and greater than angle brackets surrounding an element creates what is known as a tag. Tags most commonly occur in pairs of opening and closing tags. An opening tag marks the beginning of an element. It consists of a less than sign followed by an element sign and then ends with a greater than sign. For example, less than followed by div followed by a greater than angle bracket creates the opening tag for a div element. The closing tag marks the end of an element. It consists of a less than sign followed by a forward slash and the element's name and ends with a greater than sign. The content that falls between the opening and closing tag is the content of the element. An anchor link, for example, will have an opening tag of a less than sign, the letter A, followed by a greater than sign, and a closing tag of a less than sign, a forward slash, the letter A, and a greater than sign. What falls between the two tags will be the content of the anchor link. Attributes are properties used to provide additional information about an element. The most common attributes include the ID attribute, which identifies an element, the class attribute, which classifies an element, the SRC attribute, which specifies a source for embeddable content and the href attribute, which provides a hyperlink reference to a linked resource. Attributes are defined within the opening tag after an element's name. Generally, attributes include a name and a value. The format for these attributes consists of the attribute name followed by an equal sign, then a quoted attribute value. On to setting up the HTML document structure. On 
to setting up the HTML document structure. HTML documents are plain text documents saved with a .html file extension rather than a .txt file extension. To begin writing HTML, you first need a plain text editor that you are comfortable using. Sadly, this does not include Microsoft Word or Pages, as those are rich text editors. Two of the more popular plain text editors for writing HTML and CSS are Dreamweaver and Sublime Text. Free alternatives include Notepad++ for Windows and Text Wrangler for Mac. All HTML documents have a required structure that includes the following declaration and elements. Less than bracket, exclamation point, D-O-C-T-I-P-E, HTML, followed by a HTML tag, followed by a head tag, and a body tag. The document type declaration, or the tag, exclamation, doc type, HTML, informs web browsers which version of HTML is being used and is placed at the very beginning of the HTML document. Because we will be using the latest version of HTML, our doc type declaration is simply exclamation point doc type HTML. Following the document type declaration, the HTML element signifies the beginning of the document. Inside of the HTML element, the head element identifies the top of the document, including any metadata. Metadata is the accompanying information about the page. The content inside the head element is not displayed on the web page itself. Instead, it may include the document title, which is displayed on the title bar in the browser window. Links to any external files or any other beneficial metadata. All of the visible content within the web page will fall within the body element. When an element is placed inside of another element, also known as nested, it is a good idea to indent the element to keep the document structure well organized and legible. It is worth mentioning that some elements can be self-closing. For instance, the meta element 
has only one tag and does not include a closing tag. Not all elements consist of an opening and closing tag. Some elements simply receive their content or behavior from attributes within a single tag. The meta element is one of these elements. The content of the meta element is assigned with the use of attributes and values. Other common self-closing elements include embedded, HR, image, input, link, param, source, WBR, BR, and HR. Let's switch gears a bit. Moving away from HTML, and let's take a look at CSS. Remember, HTML will define the content and structure of our web pages, while CSS will define the visual style and appearance of our web page. In addition to HTML terms, there are a few common CSS terms you will want to familiarize yourself with. These terms include selectors, properties, and values. As with the HTML terminology, the more you work with CSS, the more these terms will become second nature. Selectors. As elements are added to a web page, they may be styled using CSS. A selector designates which element or elements within our HTML to target and apply styles such as color, size, and position to. Selectors may include a combination of different qualifiers to select unique elements, all depending on how specific we used to be. For example, we may want to select every paragraph on a page, or we may want to select only one specific paragraph on a page. Selectors generally target an attribute value, such as an ID or class value, or they target the type of element, such as H1 or P. Within CSS, Selectors are followed with curly brackets, which encompass the styles to be applied to the selected element. The selector here is targeting all P elements, such that we have the letter P followed by an opening curly bracket followed by content, followed by a closing curly bracket. Next, we have properties. Once an element is selected, a property determines the style that will be applied to that element. Property names fall after a selector within the curly brackets and immediately preceding a colon. There are numerous properties we can use, 
such as background, color, font size, height, and width. And the new properties are being added all the time. In the following code, we are defining the color and font size properties to be applied to all P elements. Here's the description of the code. We have a P selector followed by curly brackets. And inside of those curly brackets is the word color followed by a colon. and the property font size followed by a colon. Next, we have closing curly brackets. Now let's talk about values. So far, we've selected an element with a selector and determined the style we'd like to apply with a property. Now we can determine the behavior of that property with a value. Values can be identified as the text between the colon and the semicolon. Here, we are selecting all P elements and setting the value of the color property to be orange. Here is the description of the code. We begin with a P selector, followed by an opening curly bracket. Inside of the opening curly bracket, we have the property color, followed by a colon, and the value orange, followed by a semicolon. Afterwards, we have a closing curly bracket. To review, in CSS, our rule set begins with the selector, which is immediately followed by curly brackets. Within these curly brackets are declarations consisting of property and value pairs. Each declaration begins with a property, which is followed by a colon, the property value, and finally, a semicolon. It is common practice to indent property and value pairs within the curly bracket. As with HTML, these indentations help keep our code organized and legible. Knowing a few common terms and the general syntax of CSS is a great start but we have a few more items to learn before jumping in too deep. Specifically, we need to take a closer look at how selectors work within CSS. Selectors, as previously mentioned, indicate which HTML elements are being styled. It is important to fully understand how to use selectors and how they can be leveraged. The first step is to become familiar with the different types of selectors. 
we will start with the most common selectors, type, class, and ID selectors. Type selectors target elements by their element type. For example, should we wish to target all division elements or div elements, we would use a type selector of div. Class selectors allow us to select an element based on the element's class attribute value. Class selectors are a little more specific than type selectors as they select a particular group of elements rather than all elements of one type. Class selectors allow us to apply the same style to different elements at once by using the same class attribute values across multiple elements. Within CSS, classes are denoted by a leading period followed by the class attribute value. For instance, if we have a class attribute value of awesome, in order to select by class, we would use period followed by the word awesome followed by curly brackets. ID selectors are even more precise than class selectors as they target only one unique element at a time. Just as class selectors use an element's class attribute value as the selector, ID selectors use an element's ID attribute value as the selector. Regardless of which type of element they appear on, ID attribute values can only be used once per page. If used, they should be reserved for significant elements. Within CSS, ID selectors are denoted by a leading hash sign, followed by the ID attribute value. Here, the ID selector will only select the element containing the specific ID attribute value. Selectors are extremely powerful, and the selectors discussed thus far are the most common selectors we'll come across. These selectors are, however, only the beginning. More advanced selectors exist and are readily available. As you become more comfortable with selectors, don't be afraid to look into some of the more advanced selectors. Everything is now coming together. We add elements to a page inside of our HTML, and we can then select those elements and apply styles to them using CSS. Now let's connect the dots between our HTML and CSS and get these two languages working together. In order to get our CSS talking to our HTML, we need to reference our CSS file within our HTML. 
The best practice for referencing our CSS is to include all of our styles in a single external style sheet, which is referenced within the head element of our HTML documents. Using a single external style sheet allows us to use the same styles across an entire website and quickly make changes site-wide. Other options for referencing CSS include using internal and inline styles. You may come across these options in the wild, but they're generally frowned upon as they make updating websites cumbersome and difficult. To create our external CSS style sheet, we'll want to use our text editor of choice again to create a plain text file with a .css file extension. Our CSS file should be saved within the same folder or a subfolder where our HTML file is located. Within the head element of the HTML document, the link element is used to define the relationship between the HTML file and the CSS file. Because we are linking to CSS, we use the rel rel attributes with a value of style sheet to specify their relationship. Furthermore, the href, href, or hyperlink reference attribute is used to identify the location or path of the CSS file. In order for the CSS file to render correctly, the path of the href file attribute In order for the CSS to render correctly, the path of the href attribute value must directly correlate to where our CSS file is saved. If our CSS file is within a subdirectory or a subfolder, the href attribute value needs to correlate with this path accordingly. For example, if our main.css file was stored within a subdirectory named stylesheets, the href attribute value would have to be stylesheets forward slash main.css, using a forward slash to indicate moving into a subdirectory. At this point, our pages are starting to come to life, slowly but surely. We haven't delved into CSS too much, but you may have noticed that some of the elements have default stylings we haven't declared within our CSS. That is the browser imposing its own CSS styles for those elements. Fortunately, 
we can overwrite these styles fairly easily, which is something we will do next using CSS resets. Every web browser has its own default style for different elements. How Google Chrome renders headings, paragraphs, lists, and so forth may be different from how Internet Explorer does it. To ensure cross-browser compatibility, CSS resets have become widely used. CSS resets take very common HTML elements with a predefined style and provide one unified style for all browsers. These resets generally involved removing any sizing, margin, padding, or additional styles and toning those values down. Because CSS cascades from top to bottom, more on that later, our resets need to be at the very top of our style sheet. Doing so ensures that these styles are read first and that all of the different web browsers are working from the same common baseline. There are a bunch of different resets available to use, all of which have their own fortes. One of the most popular resets is Eric Meyer's reset, which has been adapted to include styles for the new HTML5 elements. If you're feeling a little more adventurous, there's also normalize.css created by Nicholas Gallagher. Normalize.css focuses on not using a hard reset for all common elements, but instead on setting common styles for these elements. It requires a stronger understanding of CSS, as well as awareness of what you'd like your styles to be. As previously mentioned, different browsers render elements in different ways. It's important to recognize the value in cross-browser compatibility and testing. Websites don't need to look exactly the same in every browser, but they should be close. Which browser you, you wish to support and to what degree is a decision you will need to make based on what is best for your website. In all, there are a handful of things to be on the lookout for when writing CSS. The good news is that anything is possible and with a little bit of patience, we will figure it all out. To recap, so far we've covered the following. The difference between HTML and CSS, getting acquainted with HTML elements, tags, and attributes, setting up the structure of your first web page, getting acquainted with CSS selectors, properties and values, working with CSS selectors, referencing CSS in your HTML, and the value of CSS resets. Thank you for listening and we hope you're deep asleep.